Thank you, Doug. I, uh, ooh, it's dark in here. I can't see you guys. There we go. Um, oh, now I'm dark. <laughs> Adrian will sort it out, I promise. You guys, I almost forgot. Uh, where is it that we can sign up for the Christmas Lights bus tour volunteer list again? Oh, so you know it. You know it. No excuses. Okay, that was rude. Okay. <laughs> Right now, we as a church, we're in the middle of a message series that we've called Reset Your Mind. And so the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about ways in which we may need to reset our thinking and discover maybe a deeper truth about our faith. Uh, Growth and transformation are kind of hallmarks of the Christian faith. You don't just become a Christian one day and then instantly know all the things you're supposed to believe and all the ways that you're supposed to act. It's progressive. It takes time. And sometimes the things you learn early on as a Christian, later on in your journey of faith, you have to rediscover and reset because they were designed for your early faith and they need to be maybe broken down a little bit so they can be built up even stronger. Now, a few years back, uh, Adrian and I used to host a Bible study in our home called Friday at 6. We weren't very creative when we named it. It happened Friday at 6 o'clock. We just didn't want people to be late. And it was always kind of a casual Bible study. People, you know, we, we enjoyed it. It was, you know, we had appetizers and coffee and we would hang out and that sort of thing. And people would come to our house and we'd just talk about Jesus and Jesus things. And we took a brief break one summer, uh, over the summer, where we just canceled all the Fridays at six and, uh, and for everyone to kind of go and have fun with their families. And then we came back in the fall and started up Friday at six again. And the very first night we started back up after the summer, Amanda Angelopoulos showed up. She was the very first person to arrive. And Amanda was a regular, and she was always uh, early. And like always, like she always did, she just let herself in the house, came into the living room, and sat down. Now, this particular time, she started to wonder why it was so quiet in our house, And then she looked around and she thought to herself, wow, Lucas and Adrian redecorated over the summer. And then she looked at the family photos on the walls and realized she didn't recognize anybody in them. What Amanda didn't know is that we moved over the summer and that she was sitting in a stranger's home. When she realized, she said she sprinted out of their house. Sometimes the things we've always known need to change. The places we've always gone to have to be different. The the places we've gone to for comfort or reassurance or affirmation need to be new. And when it comes to faith, sometimes you need to reset your ways. This was a core idea in the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus showed up on the scene in ancient in the ancient Middle East, he came into a, a world that had worked out exactly the way it wanted to be, but he came to change the rules. The Jewish world that Jesus was born into was a world that was formed by thousands and thousands of years of religious tradition 
and practice. One of the many of the things that they did was the, the Jews would offer ritual sacrifices to atone for their sins. They would sacrifice the blood uh, of an innocent animal to atone for their sins. Um, all Jewish males and uh, infant or adult converts, they had to get circumcised, which meant not very adu many adult males chose to convert to Judaism at the time. Uh, they followed God's law. Right, But not just the law of God. They followed all the laws that man made around the laws of God so that they never broke the really important laws of God. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of traditional laws at, at the time. And then at the end of the day for the Jews, it didn't matter if you were good or bad. As long as you were a son of Abraham, as long as you were born into a family that could claim they were descendants of Abraham, you were good. That's all you needed to be right and good with God. Jesus was born into this well-established religious culture that had been doing what they had been doing for thousands of years. In fact, this is just kind of an, a, a side note, the Roman Empire, who were the brutal occupier, occupiers of this area of the Middle East, they, they ruled over the Jews with an iron fist. They were ruthless. Normally, when the Romans would capture a territory, they would ban or outlaw the religions of that territory. But when it came to Judaism, the Romans considered it an ancient religion, not like the newer, younger pagan religions of the world. They considered Judaism ancient, and so they gave it a special privilege. They were allowed to continue practicing the way they had practiced. But here's the thing. When Jesus was born, when he came to the world, he came to rattle the foundations of this ancient faith. No longer after Jesus was, did his thing, no longer did people have to spill the blood of an innocent animal to atone for their sin because Jesus himself gave his life on the cross as an eternal sacrifice for anybody who would receive it. No longer did converts use uh, circumcision as an evidence of their faith in God. Instead, the fruit of the Spirit became the mark of a Jesus follower. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These became the new marks of a Jesus follower. No longer did, uh, did the people have to suffer under the incredible weight of the uh, Mosaic law. Instead, Jesus gave them one simple law that encompassed them all. You know it. Love one another. And no longer was just being a descendant of Abraham enough. Instead, to be right with God, all you had to do was believe in Jesus and receive God's grace as a gift, something you couldn't earn and something you couldn't deserve. Jesus revolutionized this ancient faith. And he didn't just change the rules of the game. He changed the game altogether. In the years after the life of Jesus, those who believed in the Jesus way, but had grown up in all the traditions and the culture of Judaism, they had to figure something out. They had to figure out what are they going to do now? Do they remain faithful to their Jewish convictions that they were raised with? Do they abandon them completely and do something completely new? Or do they mix and match the ancient with the new. Jesus had called them to something new. A new way. A new covenant is what he called it. 
But many struggled with this way of thinking. They were stuck in the way they had always done things. It's a lot, a lot to ask an entire people group to change the way they had thought and practiced their faith for thousands of years. And after Jesus died and resurrected and ascended to heaven, the early church were faced with this dilemma to answer this question. What does it mean to live life the way Jesus told us to? How do we embrace this new normal? But a problem arose, right? Problems always arise. Lots of the people who had decided to follow Jesus kind of defaulted to their old way of living, to the old ways, to them trying to earn their salvation. It is tough to break old habits. We know that. Now, <laughs> I know this in a more modern way. I've recently had to delete Twitter off of my phone. Uh, I like Twitter. I find it really entertaining. I use it mostly for news about the riders and the CFL, which is what I know you guys all use it for, too. <laughs> Uh, but there's so much on the app that I ended up just consuming, right? And, and, and most of it in my Twitter algorithm was constantly controversial stuff. It, it was designed to, my algorithm, algorithm had, had fashioned itself in such a way to just feed me stuff that was induced anxiety and rage or anger or frustration, right? And nobody, I don't know if you're on Twitter or not, but nobody on there is nice to each other, right? Nobody treats each other with charity or respect. And all that negative energy, every time I would, you know, every time I'd be waiting for my coffee, I'd just flip open my phone and scan it a bit. And, and note that throughout the day, I, I discovered it was creating an uneasiness in me. And it wasn't good for my soul. And so I deleted it. But even a while after I deleted it, I would find myself waiting for my coffee or a lull in cooking dinner. I would pull out my phone and instinctively swipe left three times and go to open Twitter, even though it wasn't there. Right? I was going back down those old pathways of entertainment, even though there was nothing there, even though I knew it wasn't there. Old habits are tough to break. Old habits are tough to break. And this started to happen in the early church. And there was a group of Jesus followers, right, who are teaching that in addition to following Jesus, in addition to all the, the grace and the love that Jesus offered them and the new way that Jesus had taught them to go, in addition to all that, people still, they were telling people they still needed to follow the law of Moses. Specifically, they were teaching that to be saved, very specifically, if you were a man, you had to get circumcised to prove your faith. They wouldn't let go of the old ways. They wanted new Gentile converts, and Gentile is just a word that means anybody who's not a Jew, right? So most of us in this room, they wanted any new converts to Christianity to go through with circumcision. Paul and his buddy Barnabas were not having this. They were not interested in this teaching. They thought it was wrong. And, and the Bible tells us that they fought and argued with this group of dissenters with passion. Paul was convinced, like Fort City is convinced, that salvation can come by grace alone through faith in Jesus. A gift from God. A gift from God. 
But this division, can you imagine the new church? It's fresh. They're still trying to figure things out. They're, they don't have thousands of years of tradition like we do now or the Judaism did that. They're, they're still trying to figure out what it means to be faithful to Jesus. And this division is causing a major rift. And so all the early leaders of the church decided they had to make a formal uh, agreement on what they were going to say about these dissenters. And so they gathered in what is now called the Jerusalem Council to make a formal ruling on the matter. Uh, this meeting is recorded in the book of Acts. Acts was written by a guy named Luke, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke traveled around the, whole, the world with Paul, documenting all the things that he did throughout his life. And so the Jerusalem Council is one of the things that Luke recorded for us to know. So all of the early church leaders gathered together in this place to rule on what Gentile converts had to do. And Luke tells us that after a long, uh, trying conversation, that Peter, the same Peter who was one of Jesus' closest friends, stood up in this room and he said this from Acts 15. He said, brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord. Peter's saying, guys, 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 don't you remember what Jesus said? He came to seek, the save, and seek and save the lost. There's no difference between Jew or Gentile. There's only the grace of God for whoever wants to receive it. And besides, Peter's selling, besides, even we couldn't keep the law of Moses. Even we sucked at keeping the law of Moses. Why would we shackle them to all these extra things that Jesus didn't expect them to do? Peter is suggesting that to impose these conditions on new believers uh, that are over and above what God has asked them to do is wrong. And next in the story, in, in, the, in Acts 15, you can read it yourself. Peter, uh, Paul, and Barnabas, they go on to tell everybody in the room about all the Gentile churches that have sprung up all over the Middle East and, and how they're spirit-filled and God is working through them. And then James stands up to speak. Now, James is a very interesting kind of person. He's a story all to himself. In this account, James is the leader of the early church. He's kind of the guy in charge, kind of running everything from Jerusalem. And what's amazing about this is that James is the brother of Jesus. Can you imagine living in that shadow, right? It's how my brothers probably feel about me. <laughs> Can you imagine if your brother was Jesus, right? And it's likely, from what we can kind of get from the stories of scripture, it's likely that while Jesus was alive, that James was probably ashamed of Jesus. He was probably embarrassed by his weird brother who was saying all these crazy things and then got himself killed. It's likely that James was not a believer 
and his brother. But then James saw his brother die, and his brother didn't stay dead. And then suddenly James believed. Now, Andy Stanley likes to talk about James and Jesus this way by saying, what would it take for you to believe that your brother or sister was the son or daughter of God? What would it take for you to say to your brother or sister, Jesus, or my brother or sister, is my Lord and Savior? It would take a lot. I don't know if you've met my brothers or sister. There's no chance, right? But James decided that he believed in his brother. And he became the leader of the early church. And so James, he stands up, and it's time to make the ruling at this council, this, this important defining moment. And I just love the simplicity and the clarity of what James has to say. He says, my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. That's it. Let's not make it so difficult. Let's not complicate what Jesus made so simple. Let's not make it so hard that people walk away. Why are we adding to the simplicity of the story of Jesus? There is no way for us really to quite grasp just how groundbreaking this decision was. It changed the course of the church and ultimately the course of history. And this is what Jesus wants to do for us. He wants to change the course of your history. He wants to challenge the way we think. He wants to confront the way we live. He wants to day by day shape us more and more to live and to look and to love like he does. And sometimes it means having a counsel with Jesus where he tells you the way you've been doing things, it's got to change. You've got to reset your mind. We're a big room. We're all from all walks of life. Some of us are new Christians. Some of us aren't Christians. Some of us, you know, like James Canales has been Christian since the beginning of time. We're all different in this room. And, but I want to talk to a few people specifically. Maybe you're someone who has never decided to follow Jesus. And you might just be sitting here because a friend invited you or a spouse dragged you out. I, I get that. My, my wife drags me to places all the time that I don't want to go to. Let me tell you this. For you, there is more to life than earning a living. There is more to life than working, making money, eating, sleeping, and dying. Jesus has more for you. He has purpose for you. He created you on purpose for a purpose. Let him reset the way you think about your life. Or maybe like me, you've been a Christian a really long time. You've served on the teams, you've read your Bible, you've, you've done all the things, you got the t-shirt, right? How does Jesus want to shake the foundations of your faith and what you believe and how you act? Or maybe you're a new Christian, right? You've been doing this Christian thing for a few years now, but parts of your old ways of thinking keep kind of coming back into the mix. And, and instead of moving on completely into the Jesus way, you're still kind of incorporating bits and pieces of your last life. Maybe you've got a crystal in your pocket, just in case. Maybe when you're feeling uneasy, you consult tarot cards to try to give you some peace. 
You follow the Jesus way, but you do look for spirituality in different places. Let me tell you something. As a new Christian, Jesus wants to reset your way of thinking. Or maybe you're exactly like the people causing the stir in the story from Acts 15. Maybe God has offered you his grace, a gift we could never earn or deserve. But you keep choosing to try to earn it every single day. You do good, not out of the overflow of the Spirit of God in your life, but you do good to try to extend your value, to prove yourself to others and to God. Let me tell you something that might just reset your thinking. Jesus died for you because he values you. Your, the issue of your value was decided at the cross. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to earn it. Stop striving and receive his love. Let me tell you about one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life. When I was... 19, I got hired on at the Suncor Fire Hall. It was kind of a dream job. I loved it. I didn't deserve it, right? I was young to be having such a good job like that. Uh, and, and, but I got to work with some of the best people, and I got to do a job that I really loved. And, and when I was 20, I got uh, tagged or invited to put together a band and lead worship for like a major youth event that was happening in the city. There was going to be like 800. They were anticipating around 800 kids being there. And for me at 20 years old, that was going to be the coolest thing I ever got to do, right? I, I'd led worship in this church when I was younger. and But 800 youth and, and special speaker flying in and a green room and everything. It was going to be so cool. And so I said, yes. And we practiced for a couple of months. We put a lot of work into it. I put a band together for it. And it luckily, it fell on my days off, so I didn't need to take any time for it. And it was the morning of my last night shift before the weekend, before this youth event that I put lots of work into. In the morning of my last night shift, right before I walked out the doors to get on the bus, my captain called me into his office. He said, Lucas, I'm really sorry I need you to work this weekend. I was like, oh, sorry, Captain, I can't. I got a thing. And he's like, well, well, I'm not asking. <laughs> I'm not asking you, Lucas. You have to work. And I, I kind of argued with him, and he said, no, you're not understanding. It's called forced overtime. You don't have a choice. And so I left. I got on the bus and went home. It was Friday morning. The conference was that night. I was supposed to come back to work that night. And instead of coming to work that night, I called in sick. And then I went and led worship for this youth event. And it was awesome. It was great fun. And we had a blast. On my first shift back to work, I walked in the fire hall. And my captain just looked at me with a look. He's like, the chief wants to see you. Upstairs. And so I went upstairs to the chief's office where he yelled at me so vehemently, so long that specks of spit were flying across the room and landing on my glasses. I, pro I, I was scared to wipe the spit off my face. I'm telling you, he was so angry. He's swearing at me and calling me an idiot. He just tore a strip off me. And after a few minutes, I think he tuckered himself out. And he laid back in his seat, and his demeanor changed, and his face changed, and he wasn't angry anymore. And really quietly, he just looked across the room at me, and he said, Lucas, 
You can't do stuff like this. You have a wife. You have a new baby. You have to start acting like a man. He shook the foundations of my faiths and beliefs and what I valued that day. And I walked out of there a different person. And I grew up a few years that day. Let me read to you what Paul says about what it means to change your values and beliefs. Paul said in Ephesians 4, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, this is the good part, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Maybe put another way, let the Spirit reset your mind. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Leave what you need to leave in the past. Your old way of thinking, your old way of living, the sin that, that, that you've enjoyed once, leave it back there. The, the religious nature of your faith, it's time to leave that back there too. What, the way you always thought you, you're supposed to be a Christian, the way you're supposed to live, leave that back there too. I have something new for you, a life guided by my spirit. We're going to close in a moment with a listening prayer moment. And I'm going to invite Mark to come back up now for that. And I want us to ask a question. What does Jesus want you to throw off today? What are you holding on to? In this scripture that Paul says, what does Jesus want you to throw off and move on from? What is next for you in your journey of faith? Now, it could be deciding to follow Jesus for the very first time. It could be deciding that you want to get baptized. It could be deciding to engage in the life of your church by serving on a team or joining a class or becoming financial partners with us. It could be deciding to create a new habit like reading your Bible or, or praying. It could be anything. And honestly, I, today I can't tell you what that thing is that Jesus wants you to stop holding on to. All of us are different. But I know that Jesus has more for each one of us today, just like 2,000 years ago at that council in Jerusalem where he shook the foundations and changed the way they thought. Jesus wants to do that for each one of us, I believe, here today again. We believe that Jesus speaks. That's something we believe here at Fort City. We believe that the end of the Bible on page 1,121, the last verse, God didn't say, now I'm done talking, right? He didn't say that. He continues to speak to us. He continues to lead and guide his people. He's not done. And so this morning, we're gonna, I'm gonna, just going to facilitate just a quick moment where we're going to invite Jesus to speak to us. And we're going to take a moment and, and, and go into silence together. I know that sounds awkward to be silent in a room with a hundred other people, but I want to encourage you to, to embrace this moment because Jesus can speak to you. And he wants to. And let me tell you, I think he does often. But we just maybe don't take the time to slow down and listen for his voice. Jesus said this to his followers. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. And he will remind you of everything I have told you. And so we're going to enter into a moment of listening prayer together. 
and I'm going to ask a question, just a really simple question, and I want you to just be silent. Take a posture of prayer, close your eyes, and ask Jesus to answer that question for you. Can we do that together? Do you guys want to do that? Okay. So go ahead, take a posture of prayer, whatever that is for you. You can close your eyes. If you feel brave, you can put your hands out. I'm going to ask a question, and I want you in your heart and in your mind to ask Jesus this question, and then just be silent. Wait on him to answer you. So the first question we're going to ask is, Jesus, what am I holding on to that you want me to let go of? Just stay in that posture of prayer. We're going to ask Jesus a second question. Jesus, what do you want me to pick up in its place? Has good gifts for us, you guys. Jesus, we thank you that you love us, that you speak to us, and you haven't just abandoned us to this crazy world all on our own. And Jesus, I thank you that all across this room and for those of us who are joining online, that you are helping us to exchange our fear for your love, our hopelessness for your hope our striving for your grace, our sin for your righteousness, exchanging our religious spirit for your freedom. Jesus, thank you that you've made us each so different. And so Jesus, I just invite you, I ask you all across this room and for each person, meet us where we're at. Help us to let go of the things that we need to let go of and pick up the things that you have for us. Your gifts are good. They are better than anything we can fashion or earn or work on our own. Jesus, change the course of our lives today. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.